Welcome everybody back to Friar Talk. We're going live uh, a, a morning stream. I don't know when the last time we did a morning stream was probably like football season two years ago when we used to do the Sunday morning streams, but a little bit different today. We'll be rocking with this. So I'm assuming a lot of people are going to be watching this later tonight. Um, but today we're going to be going over this Cubs series, a 2-2 series kind of, I mean, I don't know how Mike feels about it. We'll get to him in a second, Cubs fan down there. But <laughs> I think it's pretty disappointing to go 2-2 and split the series with the Cubs. Uh, then the Mariner series is going to be next, a quick two-game series. But it's just consistently with this team, we're getting put into a spot where it's like, all right, it's time to start winning now. It's time to start winning series sooner than later. Um, so I don't know how happy Isaac's going to be feeling. I mean, you end the series on a positive note, which was nice. But then the Padres flash up a graphic at the end of the game, and it shows. This is The whole team's struggles are about the offense being inconsistent. And this series, they were inconsistent again. Two games where you have one run, two games where you kind of explode on offense. And I think the graphic was they are 2-28 and 28 when they score less than four runs. And if they score more than four runs, it's something absurd. Like they're, you know, they're winning like 90% of the games. So it's, it's rough when you look at it from a up and down standpoint. But the offense has been overall better when you look at the, the vast numbers in terms of like, well, how have they looked over the last couple of weeks? They've been putting up a bunch of runs. It's just... Oh, nine runs one one game, one run the next, and Padres team wasted maybe maybe a, like the best opportunity they had with their pitching in terms of their starters had the best ERA in May, the, or not the starters the whole pitching staff had the best ERA in May, and you finished that month ten and sixteen. Start you know we start up June, it looks like it's kind of the same deal. So it's a little bit frustrating on this end. Um, Isaac, what do you feel about the Padres side? And then Mike, what was kind of your takeaways? A little bit more Padres oriented from you too, but like from, from both these teams. I don't, man, I'm starting to kind of feel like this is what the Padres are. I guess I want to say, cause throughout the season, I've been pretty optimistic saying, Oh, you know, they're going to turn around. They're going to turn around. They're going to turn it around. But I mean, they're just super inconsistent. You know, on paper, they got one of the best lineups in baseball. They got a great rotation. They got a solid bullpen, but it's just not coming to fruition right now. They put up a lot of runs one day. The very next day, they put up one. Same thing. It was, I mean, it, that was the case against the Cubs this series. It was a lot of runs one day, no runs the next. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what to say about, about the lineup right now. We know the issues. A lot of people keep blaming, and rightfully so, people keep blaming blaming Trent Grisham. At one point, it was Haseon Kim. It's still Austin Nola, but um, I mean, it's time to start looking at like, hey, he, I mean, he had three hits yesterday, but Manny Machado is also not not performing. He didn't do great this series. Jake Cronenworth is not performing very well. Um, there's a few guys, the stars really, Xander Bogarts isn't performing very well. I know he's got a wrist injury, but he's not performing very well. There's a few guys in this lineup that need to get talked about more when it comes to this lineup not producing. Um, Cause it's not just Trent Grisham. It's not just Austin Nola. Hassan Kim is heated, has been heating up. Um, but throughout the lineup, there are black holes right now that we can't count on, on a, on a day-to-day -day basis. And I'm hoping that changes. I mean, Manny Machado got three hits yesterday. We're hoping he turns the tide there because I think this offense rides with Manny. Um, you know, I, I think throughout Fernando's time, we've thought it's going to ride with Fernando, but, I mean, Fernando put up an MVP season in an MVP type season in 2021. They did didn't didn't do that great. Manny Machado puts up an MVP type season last year. They go to the, to the LCS. 
Manny Machado hasn't been doing that great this year, and the Padres have a record below 500. So, yeah, the, this this offense rides with Manny, man, and we need him to heat up. Um, I mean, we were supposed to be this juggernaut. The Mariners were also supposed to be a juggernaut. This is the hypothetical 2023 World Series, but on paper, both these teams have been pretty bad. Um, we're only two games, I believe, above Mike's Cubbies, and that was not supposed to be the case. So congratulations to the Cubs, I guess. But we suck. Yeah, <laughs> we suck right now, man. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. There's not a lot to say. Yeah, and then you know, talking about the Cubs, I think, like Isaac was saying, the Cubs have been one of the most unserious teams in all of baseball um, over the last you know calendar month or so. Um, I saw a stat on Twitter somewhere that you know, winning percentage wise, they were the worst team just above the Athletics. And to be completely honest, the Athletics are like a Triple A team right now, so that's really nothing to write home about. Um, for the Cubs. But I think with this series with the Padres, uh, it was kind of a microcosm of what the Cubs season has been so far. Re-established a lot of the themes that were prevalent throughout the season so far. Um, Some of the goods, you know, Stroman had a great game against the Padres. Stroman's been dealing all year. I think he's in serious. He's on Cy Young watch right now. Um, I hope that, you know, the voters don't look at his win-loss totals because it's a reflection of the Cubs' win-loss totals. But if they look at it just the performance, I mean, his last start before this, he had a nine-inning, one-hit shutout against the Rays, best team in baseball. He's been lights out. Um, I think another one of the themes, um, we have had a few games where the offense really comes to play. I think when David when David Ross um, gets serious about his lineup and doesn't start Miles Mastroboni in the leadoff spot, I think that we can be you know an offense that can put up some runs. And we did that a couple games in this series. Um, and then with some of the negatives, you know, I think uh, the bullpen kind of came to bite us a little bit in a few of the games. And I think a big negative throughout the year and for the last couple of years, unfortunately, has been David Ross. I am not a fan of David Ross as a manager. I think that, you know, he was great for us in 2016. And I honestly thought he was pretty good in his first couple of seasons. But it's clear to me that David Ross is just not a quality big league manager. Got ejected yesterday in the second inning. For what? I mean, I understand that the calls were bad. I mean, we, we all saw yesterday the, the, um, the officiating was not good. David Ross, he's gotten ejected a lot this year. His lineup cards are not very good. I think he's mismanaged the bullpen a lot. Um, so I think that that was a reflection of, of – what happened in the series and what's been happening all year with David Ross, just not being able to quality manage a big league club. Um, but again, like, like you guys said, um, Cubs aren't very good, but unlike the Padres, I don't think any of us had big expectations for this year. Um, you know, we're kind of knees deep into our rebuild. And I think that the biggest thing this year is just to look for good signs for the future. Guys like Christopher Morrell. I know Miguel Amaya had uh, three hits the other day, which is great. Um, I just want I'm looking at the young guys and making sure that you know, they can cement themselves as good players for the future, you know, because we, nobody, nobody and not even the most diehard Cubs fans thinks that we're doing anything this year in terms of the playoffs. But when we go into 2024, 2025, we want those young guys to keep getting better and better. The minor league guys to keep improving. And then hopefully we can, you know, go back to our 2016 glory days. See, Mike, I don't know about that because we made a video we put on TikTok and it was like we kind of pressed the cup for like, look, bro, they're not going to be that good. People were in our mentions. They were they were hot about that. I don't know why. I was like, I, I don't know who you I don't know who's commenting <laughs> on your videos. Maybe it's just David Ross's burner account or something. I don't know. But I I mean, I watch pretty much every single Cubs game ever. And even I was just like, yeah, they're not going to win like like 75 games is their ceiling this year for wins. Like I I. I I mean, there's two really good starters at the top of the rotation, and I think the rest of the rotation is weak. The bullpen is the worst it's been in many, many years. They have glaring issues at catcher, at third base, at first base. Um, 
I mean, I don't know why people thought the Cubs were going to be legit. I don't know if they thought Dansby was going to hit 150 home runs this year, but I mean, that's not the case. So yeah, I, I, the Cubs are pretty much right where they were, right where I expect them to be. Um, but again, I just want to keep looking towards those improvements of those young guys. And again, guys like Dansby and, and uh, Ian Happ, who we extended earlier in the season, just want them to keep improving and keep getting better and then lead the next era of Cubs baseball is what I'm looking for. Yeah. All right, Mike, we got a, okay, got a couple things from you. One, Wolfpack, Wolfpack asks, when, how do you feel about Hosmer? I'm so glad he's out of there. The day, okay, so the day that he got DFA'd, so Cubs fans had been really chomping at the bit to see Mash Mervis come up from AAA. He had been raking in Iowa. We'd want to see him. Um, he got brought up. Uh, Eric Hosmer got DFA'd and got released outright. I was so happy. That was the day I fell on my knees and and praised God. You know what I mean? I was so happy to get him off my ball club. It was just a ground. He was just a ground ball machine. I'm sure you guys know it. Just. Just oh yeah, on. his launch angle was probably negative five every time he got up to the plate. So um, was just so happy to see him gone. Yeah, I see. Um, I see some other stuff. So I we are going to talk a little bit about some of these guys on your team that could get traded because there's a couple guys that we would be intrigued with as Padre fans. Um, but I did want to ask Isaac this, you know, a little bit more Padre side. But Devin asks, what did I? What do we think about the Soto comments? Isaac, how did you feel about that? Uh, I mean, it was after we had just gotten our asses kicked. So I don't think anyone was happy. But um, I don't really feel anything about that. I mean, of course, you'd want him to give a better answer than what he said. But I was thinking of it as like, well, he's really not the problem. He's been our best hitter. He's been essentially the best hitter in baseball over the last month. So it's not really it's not him. I, I don't really know. He can't speak for the other guys in terms of what are the other guys' approaches at the plate? What are they doing in their in their off time to be able to produce better at the plate? And um, as far as I know, he's been the best producer at the plate in baseball over the last month. And um, yeah, he's you know over the last few games he hasn't been that great. But um, what, what I really don't know what he's supposed to say because he's doing everything right. Fernando's doing good. Um, it's just the rest of the guys. We he basically said we got the guys to do it. We just don't know what's what's going on. We don't know the problem, um, but they got to figure it out soon. So I don't I don't mind what he said. I know people were concerned. They were like, you know, oh he doesn't want to stay in San Diego. There's definitely issues in the clubhouse. Blah blah blah. Well, I think everyone's. It, it's always going to seem like there's an issue in the clubhouse during an interview after you just lost seven to one to a team that you're supposed to be better than and you're 500 you're under 500 when you're supposed to be above 500 you got fans booing you it's like of course there's going to be things wrong it's going to seem like there's things wrong but um you know he he's doing everything right and maybe they just asked the wrong person hey matt could i actually say two things really quick um just yeah. looking at the comments so one, um, I saw somebody talk about Owen Casey. Shout out to you. Owen Casey's been killing it for the Cubs. Uh, thing number two, uh, somebody mentioned the officiating. And I just want to make a little nugget here. Um, I was watching on the Cubs broadcast yesterday. It was Miguel Amaya. It was a full count. And Rick Sudcliffe, who was our play-by-play guy, he made a comment and he said, hey, if this ball is eight inches off the plate, Miguel Amaya should probably swing. And what do you know? The ball was five inches off the plate. Miguel didn't swing. It was called a strike and he got out. So the officiating yesterday was just awful it was atrocious and i think if there was ever an argument to you know reinstate the robo ump um debate i think it would be just pull up the tape from from yesterday that that officiating was awful i don't know how much you guys caught but 
man, that was that was so bad. <laughs> Dude, we're we are always pro Robo Ump. I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't like it goes both ways because it's very up and down, and like it kind of evens out. But like there was one strike there that was so bad. I also yeah. thought it was funny that Andy Green ends up coming in because Mike, I don't know if you know, but Andy Green was the Padres manager for yeah. They mentioned yeah, they mentioned that on the broadcast that he yeah. Yeah, he looked like I don't know. It was just funny to see Andy Green out there. A lot of Padres fans hate Andy Green, even yeah. though Isaac, I don't know what you think, man. I don't really know why, bro. Like they they were not a good team. Like were people expecting Andy Green to go out there and like produce a winning club? I don't think so. <laughs> so was I he never right before Andy Green. Bob Melvin? He was a huh? manager right before Bob Melvin. No, uh, before Jace Tingler. So Green, Andy Green, Tingler, Green, yeah. Tingler, Melvin. Okay. All right. Tingler okay, was the one that was the biggest disaster. I hated That's Tingler right. way more than I hated Andy Green. Yeah. I remember. I remember. I forgot there was a guy in between those two. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that was like the, it was the dark days. Of <laughs> the dark days. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, my God. But yeah, with Soto, kind of going back to this a little bit, I saw people were upset about it. Baseball is the most like individual matchup sport there is. So if Soto's going up there and he's raking and Fernando's raking and Hassan Kim's playing pretty good. And then you go, well, what about the other guys? Okay. Trent Grisham's hitting under 200. Matt Carpenter's hitting under 200. I think maybe he's a little over 200 Cronworth. I think he's like 202 or something now, but he's been terrible. Manny struggled up until yesterday. Yeah, he's right. <laughs> he's hundred percent right. Because that's just the reality of the situation. And I get like you don't want to be like fingerporting and stuff, but like if you're frustrated, you're losing a bunch. Why would you not be upset? Like I would say that if he if it was just a kind of like move the con like the comment to the side and just it doesn't really turn into any anything, I I don't think that's any better than what he said. Like he's what he said was accurate. He said the truth. So you could be upset that he said the truth, but he still just said the truth. I mean the team's been extremely underwhelming. The offense is super up and down, and they basically have two guys that carry the offense. It's what we've been saying like all year. So, yeah, of course that's how he's going to feel. So it's just like, I don't know. I don't think it's like a, oh, like this is some issue with Soto. I think he's just, he's correct. Um, but, yeah, so, Mike, I know you're probably going to hop off in a couple minutes here. I wanted to ask you, mm -hmm. on the Cubs side, two yep. guys that, that could definitely potentially be traded to the Padres – um, or somewhere else that we've had in mind. First one, Cody Bellinger. Isaac has been on the Cody Bellinger hype train for a while, even when he was a when, even when he's on the Dodgers, even though that's that's forbidden in in these cards. <laughs> forbidden. Um, but along with him, Ian Happ, we discussed him as a trade candidate uh, like last year a little bit. More unlikely because they extended him. But those two guys, and, and this guy's probably wouldn't get traded to the Potters just because their starting pitching's been so good. But also Marcus Stroman, you mentioned he's been playing really well. He's a trade candidate as well. What has to happen and what is the asking price more on the outfielder side, but also Stroman as well? Like, What are you thinking for those three guys, Stroman, Hap, and Bellinger? So I think of any of them, I think Bellinger would probably be the most likely just because he's on that one-year deal. And the reason Cody Bellinger signed this deal was he was very, you know, he was very um, – uh, present about the fact that he wanted to sign this deal and that he wanted to improve uh, from what he had been the last couple of years. He was kind of slumping after his MVP season. He wanted to prove that he can get back to that MVP style of play. And for the most part, he's been really good for the Cubs this year. He's missed some games um, because he jumped into a wall and his wife had a baby. So he's been had paternity leave plus injury. So he's missed, you know, the last month or so ish. Um, but Cody Bellinger, he's been very much improved this year. So I think for a team that is a contender, 
unlike the Cubs, uh, who wants to get him on a half-year rental um, and hope to sign him in free agency, uh, I think they can trade for him. I know uh, you guys were talking about Trent Grisham and how bad he's been. Cody Bellinger has been excellent defensively, um, and he's swinging the bat really well. So if you guys are going to get anybody, I would think it would be Cody Bellinger. Um, would be cheaper, obviously, than getting an Ian Happ, a guy who has you know three-plus years of control left. Um, but talking about Ian Happ, you know, I think Ian Happ um, – He's been really good with the bat the last couple of years, and last season he won the Gold Glove. But I think this year he's taken a step down defensively. Um, you know, he's, he only has a .9 WAR up until this point, so he's been a little bit above average, but nothing too crazy. I think Ian Happ would be harder, obviously, because of all of those years of club control. And I think if you're the Padres and you want somebody who um, can play center field, because you guys, you guys are thinking about moving Tatis to uh, right, or he's been playing right, and he's. He's been playing right field, right? Yeah. So uh, Cody Bellinger would play an excellent defensive center field. Would also give you guys a good bat as well. Um, I think he would be the prime candidate for um, you for you guys to trade for. Ian Happ, like I said. The one thing with the Cubs, though, I think they would be willing to depart with some of these outfielders because they have a lot of really good outfielders um, in their minor league system. Their top prospect, Pico Armstrong, shout out Javi Baez. Um, he is going to play an excellent defense in center field and while he is definitely a few years away, I think that they're going to be set at the position for years to come. They also have Brendan Davis, Kevin Alcantara, guys like that in the outfield. Their outfield in the minors is by far their best spot. So to deal some of the guys at the major league level, I think is definitely doable for them. Um, Cody, Ian. And then, you know, talking about Marcus Stroman for a second, I think Marcus Stroman is putting together a great year. He's got an opt-out at the end of this season. So if you're the Cubs, I'm almost thinking like, hey, you don't want to just lose him free agency for nothing. Um, but if you could extend him and you could work that out, you might want to try to do that. But if the Padres, I know you guys are pitchers have been pretty good. You guys talked about you had the best ERA in the month of May. Um, I think Stroman will cost a lot. A lot. I would liken it to what the Reds traded uh, Luis Castillo for for the Mariners. Um, they got back a big package for him. I think that's a similar package to what the Cubs would be looking for for Stroman. I know Stroman's probably a little bit older than Castillo, but um, I mean he's playing like a Cy Young guy this year, so he's going to fetch a big, you know. Uh, bag in in uh, the trade market, so that's what I would say. But if you guys had to pinpoint one guy, I would probably say Cody Bellinger for for the Padres. Isaac, are you still down with Cody? Would you still like that idea? Come on, bro! Hell yeah! Not only okay, so you don't really do you even really downgrade on defense if you replace Trent Gershon with Cody Bellinger? No, not really. Mm-hmm. You um, might upgrade even. Yeah, and they're pretty similar at the plate in terms of like. Oh, well, Cody Bellinger, I don't know what a savant looks like this year, but I know he used to strike out a lot. Um, Trent Grisham strikes out <laughs> almost more than anyone in the league. Um, but what you're getting for out, out of Cody Bellinger, you're getting, a, I mean, basically a, a former MVP, obviously. But at one point, he was one of the best players in baseball. And this year, he was playing like one of the best players in baseball again. Um, he had a pretty, I think he had like an 830 OPS before, you know, being out for, however long he's been out for um mm-hmm. apparently he was supposed to be apparently he's supposed to be back like this week or next week is what i heard yeah yeah they but, said that he might he might join us in the angel series uh coming yeah. up here so we'll see yeah yeah that's what i saw um so hopefully i mean we're gonna hope i don't know if we should hope he keeps playing this good or we should hope he kills his value a little bit um mm-hmm. but basically even if he does kill his value or it doesn't look as good as he did uh you know before um Right now, it feels like anything is an upgrade over Trent Grisham, and everyone hates Trent Grisham. I don't hate Trent Grisham. I, I am, you know, I don't hate him 
I don't like him, but I don't hate him. Um, he does bring very good value defensively. He's a, he's a great defensive player, but one thing Matt and I have consistently brought up is we got too many defensive first players right now. You switched Cronenworth over to first. Now he's a defensive first, first baseman. Hassan Kim's a defensive first player, and he's gotten hot lately, but um, Hassan Kim has these stints where he also gets super cold. And then you got Trent Grisham, who's hot for a week and goes cold for a month. So that's three defensive first players in your lineup that's really holding the Padres back from putting up these big games that you kind of, that everyone kind of expected them to put up each and every game. Um, a lot of guys being left in scoring position because those defensive first players are hitting five through eight right now, and we're not able to get them get the guys up top in. Um, along with Matt Carpenter and Nelson Cruz, who've also stranded a lot of guys. So. Um, you know, getting Cody Bellinger to be kind of that solidified, I think, fifth hitter um, would kind of be, I mean, that'd be one of the top five lineup, top five, top five. Right? If you get what I'm trying to say, um, let me try and reword that better. I'm sorry. It's a little early. Top that'd five, be, half, first half of the lineup. Yeah, there you go. The yeah, top yeah, five, yeah. That'd be one of the top five, one through five in all the baseballs is what I'm trying to say, um, mm-hmm. which would be great. And I don't know what it would cost. Um I don't really remember his salary. What was it? One year, twenty million. Uh, for Cody Bellinger, like one year, like seven, I think. Uh, was it really? It's it's twelve mil, so it's twelve oh. mil to start, right? And then next year, there's a mutual option, I believe, for twelve million again. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's not that expensive. That's not that expensive. No, I, don't know. I remember I texted um one of the group chats that I'm with Matt when uh the Cubs signed Bellinger, and I was like, dude, I love this. Stuff. Like, I think this is a good signing. Yeah. It's only, like, probably a one-year deal, so it's probably not going to do anything, but I just think it's a good player for a good price. And yeah. I always thought that he would get better than what he was with Los Angeles. But um, I got to head out, go to work. But I do want to say one last thing. Um, I want you guys to appreciate the fact that the Padres have good enough players that you don't have to do what I do for the last three years and go and make mock trades of all my best players on my team and trade them away and <laughs> research pro- uh, prospects across the minor leagues and try to find who who is good. Um, I remember I did that in 2021 and then Javi and Chris Bryant and Rizzo got traded. And last it's a, it's a mess. It's a whole rebuild. So just whatever you guys are going through, just be thankful. You're not in a rebuild like the Cubs. And um, So when I get off this video, I work today, I'll probably be scrolling through the Padres prospects and trying to find somebody we can get for Bellinger. So um, just try to keep perspective with all of that. But um, thank you guys for having me on. I have to dip out. I have to go to work, but um, I appreciate it. And uh, go Cubbies. Gotcha. Later, Mike. See, Mike. Yeah, I want to say, Isaac, I do like the idea of bringing in Belly too. I mean, so I, I flashed this up for a second. So his savant page, right? Not anything crazy. This is no, this is this year. Not great, but like, what yeah. what is this from idea of right here? Oh, Grisham. Yeah, current Grisham. Yeah, pretty much. But it's also you know you're right. Yeah, that's current Grisham, but better. He does. It doesn't look like he's striking out that much. Yeah, and look at last year: 14, 33 and yeah. whiff K. Yeah. He's drastically improved in that regard. And that was kind of the idea was that he would improve. I mean, 2021, right? Really bad. Mm-hmm. 2020, I mean, the short year, but like no, back no, to when yeah. he was a beast. I mean, yeah. I don't know if he's ever going to return to that, but he's definitely improving in some aspects. He has good numbers, 830. So I don't know how good of a move it would be necessarily. He would be a guy that you would bring in and you'd kind of swap around a lot of stuff, you know? Like, because, I mean, look at Grisham's baseball savant. You wouldn't think Grisham's that bad, bro. Oh, it's not that bad. See, but that's the thing about baseball savant too is it's like it doesn't really tell you the whole story. Yeah. Oh, Grisham walks ninety three. It's like yeah, but these Ks, this whiff, it kills you because like oh yeah, yeah barrel yeah, yeah. should be 
he and, never barrels the baseball yeah, when he makes and, like he never makes contact you know yeah and and you know the exit velocity the max exit velo and the barrel percentage it doesn't correlate with the expected batting average and batting average is not the tell the tell all sign of how good a hitter is but I mean, I feel like your batting average should at least be like 230 if you're going to be a, a good hitter. Um, what's his expected batting average? Seven, uh, eleven percentile. Yeah, but like uh, it. So when you go down, uh, yeah. it should say like in the standard ML- right. uh, at the end or like in the middle. Expected. Expected right. batting coverage is somewhere over here. I don't know, but um, maybe I'll try looking later or something. <clears throat> yeah, but uh, I'll go to Statcast. What are we talking about? Uh, up top. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Expecting batting average. I think it's here. Yep, here it is. 213. 213. And then 205 last year. And then the second half of 2021, it's going to be probably even worse. I could, I could see why... AJ Preller likes him so much, bro. This is fucking Joey Gallo without all the home runs. Yeah. 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 And, and and that's the thing with Trent Grisham, man, is when, when he's on that tear, he looks like an all-star. And that's what's so frustrating is that he has that all, like, we see stints where we're like, dude, this guy looks like an all-star. He looks like he'd be one of the best center fielders in baseball. And then he looks like the worst hitter in all of baseball. And the numbers back it up that he's, throughout those times, one of the worst hitters in baseball. And um, maybe that's the organization's fault because they it seems like hitters come to die in San Diego. Um, <clears throat> I mean, not the case with Manny, not the case with Fernando, not the case with Soto, but um, shoot, even Soto struggled. But everyone else, man, Jake Cronenworth's numbers have just gone down ever since. I mean, great 2021. Saw, like In terms of war, he had a really good 2022. Right now, it's not, it's not good. Um, Trent Grisham looks bad. Uh, I mean, just that's that's the thing. A lot of people say haters come to die at, at Petco, and um, <clears throat> it's looking like the case for Sander right now. Even though he had a really good start until he got hit by Spencer Strider in the wrist, and that's what's kind of been holding him back ever since. Ever since he got hit in the wrist, he's been a pretty bad player, and um, he's tried different things. He tried this big—I I don't even know what it was—but he tried this thing on his bat. It didn't help. Um, so now he's just trying to rest it up until he gets better. But, uh, basically what Mike said was, you know, be thankful. We're not looking to trade guys to rebuild our farm. Well, I've already seen people talking about trading certain guys like Blake Snell in order to rebuild the farm a little bit this year. And it's June, it's early June. It's not, if we're 500 by the trade deadline, we're not selling, we're probably buying in an attempt to get the fifth or the sixth seed. So I don't, you know, I, I don't really see a scenario where the Padres are sellers. Definitely, definitely not. And also, like, maybe, like, a little bit, maybe, like, more like they would switch guys up and stuff like that. It, it wouldn't be, like, a true sell also. But, yeah, people talking about trading Snell, if you're contending, which the Padres are contending, because if you have a payroll like the Padres have, they're contending. Not to mention the NL sucks. The NL is terrible right now. Your two wild card teams are the Pirates and the Marlins. That's bad. That's really bad. So you're and you're four games out right now. You're four games out of a playoff spot. And you have 
90 to 100 games left. I, I don't know. I don't know how many games we're in right now, but like roughly around that, you can easily make up four games. And when we brought on Big Baby David, his whole point was like, yeah, if you're just kind of okay for a while and you just have one crazy month or a couple weeks where you just go on a tear, all of a sudden you're in a good spot. Guys, that's what happened last year. The whole second half of the season, the Potters were roughly 500 for like four months, I want to say. They were, for four months, they were a 500 team. They had a hot, I think it was May or June. One of those months they went off. They carried that for the whole rest of the season. And then they got hot again in the playoffs. Now, I, I've always kind of thought like you want to get hot right at the end because then you drive that into the playoffs. Now they got hot in the playoffs. They did pretty good. You end up winning two series, which... It's also just insane in baseball because like the sample size of playoffs is so tiny that like, you won five games to win two series and you won 90, 89 games in the regular season. Like that's the, it's so it's really crazy when you look at it like that. Like that's the whole thing is like in baseball, you really just need to get there. Um, and we can look at this and go, yeah, this has been a disappointing year, but also the idea that we're just going to like that the team is just going to like stop trying to win this year makes literally no sense whatsoever. Trading Blake Snell when he has almost no value, when he's heating up, and when every single number says Blake Snell is terrible in his first, was it eight, nine starts of the season, you know, up until the, the all-star break, he has like a four or five career ERA. And then in the second half of the season, he is a Cy Young caliber player every single season in the second half. If you're struggling and you're hoping that you turn it on, you don't trade a guy who you're going to get some bummy prospects for because he has half a year on his contract and he makes a lot of money. That makes absolutely zero sense. What makes more sense is trying to trade someone like Grish or Kim or Cronenworth, and I don't even think they're going to do that. Like I don't think Cronenworth is on the table. Kim's playing too well right now to be on the table. Also, shout out Hassan Kim because he has been a monster. Like He does everything, like all the little stuff. He has almost a hit in every single game for like three weeks now or gets on base at least every single time. And so he's been a, he's been a true spark plug, plug for this team. I, I mean, we've talked, we just talked about Grisham a bunch. I, I'm all for trading Grisham away. Like I'm, I'm going to be all for that, but Nola's going to be gone. Oh, we, dude, we didn't even bring him up, bro. Gary Sanchez, Isaac, you haven't even talked about it. You haven't been on here. Gary Sanchez, bro. What the hell, man? He's you're, Jesus. You're more on the hype train, right? He's Jesus. I, I I'm I, I really do think he has wings or something. That man is Jesus. Um dude, I mean he's been the spark for, for the Padres lineup. I mean, now you look at the lineup and you're like, wow, like we don't have a complete black hole at catcher. Can you imagine when Luis Campusano comes back? It's gonna be nothing but power, but like I mean, don't get me wrong, it's gonna be a defensive black hole that's gonna look like absolute doo-doo back there, but I don't care. Why? Because these guys are actually able to hit it to the damn out of the damn infield. Austin Nola can't hit it out of the infield. I, I I don't know how many times I've seen him do it this year. The one home run he has is in in Mexico. Does that even count? No. So, um, I mean, I'm excited to not really see Nola in the lineup anymore because there was there was what a scenario where in this series Sanchez was the DH and Nola was the catcher. We don't really need that anymore. When Campusano comes back, Campusano can be the DH, or Sanchez can be the DH, and the other will catch. Because look, Austinola, like he does, he's he's done. He's done. He doesn't provide you any value. He's cooked. He's 
his career is over. I don't know how you want to, how, however you want to line it up. It's done. He doesn't, maybe his career is not over, but he sure as hell should not be a Padre. Um, and that will probably, uh, yeah, I, I think that's what they should do also. But that trade for Austin will probably go down as the worst trade in AJ Preller's tenure. And for the people saying, you know, uh, we should sell, we should sell. You got to keep in mind, Matt and I have talked about this, or we've talked about this in our group chat. Preller's fighting for his job. And now things are leaking out that Preller is like a, he needs yes men in his front office. If someone contends with him, he lets them go. He wants everybody to be on board with his ideas. There's all these things coming out about him. There is only one thing that can save him. One thing. It's winning. And he knows that if he doesn't win and all this stuff is coming out about him and everybody wants him gone, he hasn't, I, I, as far as I know, I don't know how many years his his contract is for the, with the Padres. But he'll be let go. The one thing Peter Seidler has consistently said is he wants to win. And if it takes getting rid of a guy that seems like can be involved in a little bit of a toxic environment, can be maybe one of the headliners of a toxic environment, then he's going to go. Because the Padres want to win. Seidler wants to win. You You only have Juan Soto for an extra year after this. Minimum. You only have Juan Soto for an extra year. Manny's not getting any younger. Xander's not getting any younger. I mean, you got to do it now. This was supposed to be the year. So um, with everything coming out, Preller's last hope is that his team starts winning. And he's going to have to buy in at the deadline, no matter how many games. I mean, everybody remembers how the Braves did it. The Braves were like around 500 at the deadline in 2021. And instead of selling like everyone thought they would, they bought in. They got jock. They got a few other guys, and they won the World Series. That is firmly what I think the Padres not win the World Series. I'm not going to go ahead and say they're going to win the World Series. But I do think that if they're around the same record that the Braves were at around that time, they're going to buy. They're not going to sell. Like Matt said, what's the point of selling Blake Snell? You're going to get nothing. You're going to get guys that aren't going to be contributors in the future. Um, Who else was some guys that people brought up? People brought up, oh, you should trade Juan Soto. We're around 500, then why not still keep trying to make a push? You could do that next year and get almost the same amount for them. You you know what I mean? Like, if you were going to do that. Exactly. And it just doesn't make any sense what people are saying. Like, this team is still good. Like, they're going to be fine. I think they'll be okay. Um, And if even everyone's making it seem like we have to win the division. We don't got to win the division. We didn't win the division last year, and we made the the World Series. We made the LCS. What is it? The past few years, 2021. The Braves were, uh, did they win their division? They did, right? No? Braves, Mets, so. Braves, Mets, Nationals. Yeah, I think I think they might have won their division. But they yeah, only had those year the national. That's year the Nationals fell apart. Yeah, the Nationals fell they, apart. They traded, that was the Scherzer year and all Trey Turner gets traded, all that. And the Mets weren't that good. Yeah, dude, I think they won the division, but that was only 88 wins. That wasn't anything crazy. So um, last year, a wild card team made the a wild card team made the made the World Series out of the out of the out of the National League. Um, both of the teams in the, in the LCS were wild card teams. You don't need to win the division in order to win to go to the. 
<laughs> hey man, shout out to the Rangers. Every single guy in their lineup that, that I saw yesterday had is above an 800 OPS. They are stupid. I am not excited to play them. That is a really, I mean, really, really good team. Um, they they might win their division. Um, and they don't have the Grom, bro. They're going without him. Nathan, I mean, apparently Evaldi's been this super this stud ever since they signed him. So, you know, great for them. They're, yeah, the Rangers and Bruce Bochy, they look fantastic. Um, but, yeah, man, as far as the Padres go, yeah, they're not going to sell. Why would they sell? There's nothing I, – I don't – the guys that are ahead of you or the teams that are ahead of you in the wild card race right now, it's like the Giants, the Marlins, the Pirates. Do we do we expect those teams to continue what they're doing right now? No, I, I sure as hell don't. For sure, I do not. So um, I, I only expect better things from the Padres, and hopefully we can get to 89 wins again. And keep in mind, in order to get to 89 wins, we have to have like a 600 win percentage throughout the rest of the way. But it can be done. It can be done. It's a pretty light schedule coming up ahead. So, you know, the Padres just got to chip away, man, chip away and hope for some consistency. It's time to get the guys out that are not being, that are not helping you. Grisham, Nola, those are going to be the two main culprits that everyone talks about. And it's time for the guys that are supposed to produce to start producing. Manny Machado, Jake Cronenworth, Xander Bogarts, three main guys. You need to get those guys back up. Like they need to go on a, in a week's tear where it's like, oh, they have an 800, 900 OPS in their last seven games, something like that. But like Matt said, man, we only need a hot, what, three weeks where the, the Padres go, oh, they're 18 and four in their last 22 games. That's something you need. So, and that's a lot. Damn, I didn't really think of that. But um, <clears throat> that's all they need, man. So let's go ahead. I mean, I, I, there's no point of counting them out. It's way too early in the season, um, and the teams that are ahead of them aren't that good. So no point in counting them out. I think, unless, obviously, unless you're a Padre fan, um, people are still pretty hopeful of the Padres. Yeah, and you're bringing this stuff up. I want to get through a couple comments here. People are talking about trades and stuff. Yeah, a lot of trades that people are mentioning are, like, not helping the team. It's like, bro, like, this is yeah. not going not gonna to be good for us. Um, I see that... The Bochy's a manager, so there's a chance he's going to come to Pro. There's a hilarious comment. Um, let me see. What was it? Okay, Gil said this, kind of going back to the Preller thing. I've always thought about this hard and deep. I don't want Preller yeah. fired, but removed from the job. Keep him in a scouting net. They've done an outstanding job. Dude, that's what Chase – dude, Chase has been saying that since like 2020 or 2021. Yeah. That's like – that's mm -hmm. been Chase's thing for a long time. So, yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm down with that. Like, but the thing is – if you remove Preller from his job, what is the likelihood that he takes a head scouting job? I would say there's virtually 0% chance that yeah. guys, he's more if, likely to go somewhere else and become their yeah. scout. Yes, Matt. Matt's absolutely right, guys. If we get rid of AJ Preller, I can – what's the point of even having him in the part of – I mean, think about it like this. If you're at work and you get brought into the office and they tell you, hey, we were hiring someone else, but we want to give you a position that – gives you less money that is lower in the totem pole are you gonna take it because i know i sure as hell wouldn't so if if he's gone he's gone if he's done he's gone the only time that happens is when either like a coach or someone in management has been there for a super long time and they're basically stepping into retirement like they'll be 
Mm-hmm. He just did that. He, he he's not their G, he's not the ASGM anymore. He's stepping into a different role, and it's kind of like, all right, Billy, you know, we're at the point where we're gonna start changing stuff up, like, and he's probably mutually agreeing, like, yeah, I'm I'm getting ready to to be out of here. I want to work for a few more years. Let me do something a little bit less stressful. I'm getting older, stuff like that. We also saw that with um, oh my God, what's his name? The Broncos coach. I want to say when they won the Super Bowl. Great coach, um, Gary Kubiak. Gary, Gary Kubiak, Kubiak came yeah. in. And he would have was having heart problems, stress problems. They move him into an upper management role, and then even Kubiak was like, "Dude, I can't do this anymore, man. This is te- this is terrible. This is way worse. I'd rather just not be involved than than not be a coach." And so that's why, like, you don't see people take steps back like that unless they get fired and then they're trying to work their way back up to that spot, which makes way more sense. Um, but in theory, I mean, it's a brilliant idea. It's I mean, it's great because because AJ is a good scout. That's the thing. Great. Like, Phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, I don't, know if anyone, I, don't, I don't know if anyone saw, but DeVries, what, what was his name? Something DeVries. Oh, yeah. He might not be coming. Yeah. Yeah, but we've been slumping too hard. Yeah, that's <laughs> not. <laughs> but it's all right. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I don't, if he's gone, I think he's gone. I don't, I don't see. The guy has what? Coming up on 10 years of, of experience of as being a, a manager or president of baseball operations. Um, that's something that's going to look good on his resume. He, Hit one of his teams went to an LCS. Granted, it was one out of his nine teams that went to the LCS. Um, but someone's gonna look at that and probably want him. So, and and there's gonna be a team out there that loves his aggressive style of trading, that loves how aggressive he is in the trade market because that brings in fans, that brings in excitement, that brings up jersey sales, that brings up just everything business-wise. On the business side of things, AJ Preller is a team's heaven, a team's god, I would say. Because look, the Padres, they sucked for a while. They get Tatis, they revolve everything around Tatis. They get they got Machado, but now they brought in Xander Bogarts. Now they got Josh Hader. Now they got Joe Musgrove. Like from a marketing standpoint, this guy's kind of a genius. But you look at things and and you think of what about the team what what type of product is he putting out on the field and every single year up until last year which again they didn't win 90 games they won 89 which some years that wouldn't get you in the playoffs um that got them the fifth seed so no matter what they would have been in the playoffs but some years that would not get you in the playoffs and they made the lcs luckily so um yeah man i don't i don't I don't know. I, I think he's gone. If he's not here, he's gone. Or if he's not in that position that he has right now, he's gone. So uh, he's kind of hoping that the Padres kind of just start bouncing back. And it's not all on AJ. Pre- I'll say it's not all on AJ Preller. Like, yes, this this whole this team that he built is super weird. It's super top heavy, and it doesn't feel like he prepared for an injury. Like we're getting lucky with Ruggie Odor right now. Because he's performing pretty well in place of a guy like Manny Machado who got hurt. Xander Bogarts is hurt now. He's performing pretty well in their in their position. Um, but what other depth is there? There's Brandon Dixon. There's Jose Alzocart. There's not very good depth. And granted, no depth is like that great. But I mean, it feels like I don't know, man. It feels like there's there should just should have been. Maybe it was the wrong idea to put a fat contract in front of a superstar rather than going out and getting death pieces and making this team a more complete team. Um, 
that's nothing against Xander Bogarts, but maybe that should have been the case. Um, what would we have done differently prior to the season? Definitely wouldn't have signed Xander, but what else? Trade for Sean Murphy, bro. How many times did yeah, we say that? I mean, 100%. So 100, bad. 100% because, I mean, that, that would make the lineup so much deeper. But, yeah, man, I mean, we were we were all on board for Sean Murphy. We thought that was going to be a great trade. We thought the Padres were in a position to make the trade. Um, Braves beat us out for it. Him and Matt Olson, uh, back-to-back years. So that that really sucks. But, um. And and the funny thing is, I think we all thought, oh, you know, since Bob Melvin was the eighth manager, this should be, this should be like money. We should be good to go get him. Instead, we got Sean Manaya, which at the time was great, but <laughs> um, it didn't end up being great. So, yeah, man. I mean, I think another thing would be like, yeah, still not pay, not paying Xander, and maybe going to get Cody Bellinger. Um, Jock Peterson or some other some other guys that maybe don't command as I mean I think Jock got a pretty good paycheck but um, <clears throat> other guys that don't command such a long long contract not extend Jake yeah I mean it just doesn't make any sense you didn't need yeah, to JDS third I think this is the one thing I will agree with you <laughs> on uh, yeah maybe extending Jake wasn't the right move um, but and and especially not moving to moving him to first I wouldn't have signed. That's the thing is maybe not signing Xander Bogarts means you don't have to put Jake Cronenworth at first now. Um, But I don't know, man. I don't know. There's a lot of things that um, AJ Peller has done wrong. Of course, there's things he's done right. Granted, there's things he's done right. But the roster construction this year seemed a little – and we weren't worried about it coming into the season. But looking at it now, it seems a little weird. It's like you didn't really get the depth to back up guys in case they got injured or needed a break got in a fat slump, which you also didn't really put guys in a position to succeed. Jay Cronenworth is not in a position to succeed right now. Um, I mean, yeah, man, I don't know. Definitely, definitely some things I would have done differently in the off season, but fuck it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so before we take off, I want to go through the schedule because I mentioned it, all the schedules lightening up, right? So I'm gonna go through it real quick. Talk about, where the Padres are at right now and where they need to be at. Because I think like there is a clear, like, okay, here's the, here's like the timeline almost of, or like you're actually totally fucked. Mariners, two game series. Ideally, of course you win every game ideally, but like you really need to sweep and just get like some type of momentum at home. Please, please just get some type of momentum at home. Win three games in a row at home. That would be unbelievable up to this point in the season. Then you play the Rockies. The Guardians, who are struggling immensely, very, very disappointing. Um, the Rays, who have cooled off since being like the insanely hot team they were to start, but still, they're good. That's a good team. Four-game series against the Giants. They're ahead of the Padres right now in the standings. That's a big deal. Need to come uh, uh, away with like at least two of those. Um, then you play, and this is the this is the nine-game stretch where it's like, all right, bro, we better win a lot of these. Nationals, Pirates, Reds. That ends on July 2nd. That's the stretch right there. If you are not 500 at the end of this stretch, then it's like, I mean, I already think we're kind of pressing the panic button and we already have this year, but that's like a whole different whole different level. Like, did you guys just hear the teams I named? There's one good team. And then there's one average team in the, in the Giants. And I guess the Mariners are okay, but the Mariners are also like struggling too. So yeah. like, 
dude, it's this is the stretch where you're trying to get hot. And and the good thing is, like, Machado's back, coming off of a, a three-game, you know, Manny just had three hits last night. So very positive in that regard. Hopefully he can kind of get it going because he's been – he's really struggled up to this point. But, you know, he was on IL doing stuff like that. Hopefully Bogart sits out a little bit and comes back in the middle of this because he heals up. There's I don't think there's any point in playing an injured player when you look at the numbers and it's like he was amazing at first and then he's been bad, bad, bad since he had the wrist injury. Um, and you actually have a competent catcher in Gary Sanchez. Now, I know people are going to be like, oh, Gary Sanchez sucks, blah, blah, blah. Dude, Gary Sanchez, look at his – go look at his baseball savant page If because everyone wants to rip on his defense. Go look at the last couple of years. Because I'll tell you someone it's better than it's better than Austin Nolas, who's supposed to be a defense first guy. He just caught Darvish and Snell, who have routinely over the last couple of years been the guys that no other Padre catcher can catch besides Austin Nola. He caught up caught shutouts by both of them. Like shutout outings. Yeah, he has fair. been and he has power. Like, I'm not even talking about the offense. I'm only talking about the defense. He has an arm. Like he doesn't need to be good to be a massive upgrade at that spot. So you yeah. look at this and you go, okay, you just got all that stuff, and hopefully Xander comes back healthy. There is a reason to believe that you're going to kind of have a little bit of a turnaround here. And you have to. You have to have it right now, or it's a serious, serious problem. Yeah, and uh, Blake Snell was pretty in favor of, of Gary Sanchez behind the plate. He had good words to say about him. I forgot the exact good words, but he had good words to say about him. But, you know, regarding this upcoming stretch, um, both the Mariners and the Padres are kind of those teams that everyone, I mean, everyone's dream World Series what matchup was Padres versus Mariners. And it's not looking likely right now, but um, we're, we're hoping that the Padres are the team that kind of turns it around. Um, this upcoming series, we're facing Logan Gilbert, and I think his name's, what's his first name? It's like, I know his last name's Kirby, but he's a starting pitcher for the for the Mariners. Um, Logan Gilbert with over a four ERA right now, Kirby with around a three three eight something like that. Um, so two solid pitchers. Um, of course, on the mound for us, we got Joe Musgrove, George Kirby, George Kirby. See, that's what I was thinking. I was just super hesitant. I didn't want to say the wrong name. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, for us, we got Michael Walker, Joe Musgrove, and then Michael Walker. So um, Musgrove, he's been better as of late. Michael Walker has been one of the best pitchers in baseball over the last month. So, um, you know, we're hoping that the Padres are able to turn around this series. Uh, of course, uh, what was I going to say? Who are the teams we play next? We got Mariners this series and then the Rockies in Colorado, right? Which, uh, <laughs> that kind of sucks. But uh, then we got the Guardians who also aren't performing that well. Um I mean, this is a stretch coming up. The only team that we face that's actually pretty good is the Rays, like Matt said. And the Rays are kind of in that position that we want the Padres to be. And you just got to have one hot, really, really hot month. And um, we're hoping that this upcoming stretch is that hot stretch for the Padres, where it's like, oh, you know, they ripped off a bunch of wins in this stretch. And now they're this many games over 500 or at 500. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. I don't really know what else to say, man. I mean, we we've we've unfortunately had to have much more negative streams because the Padres aren't giving us much to be positive about. Um, they're they're a bad team right now. They're not hitting very well. Uh, this lineup that's supposed to be one of the best in baseball has been one of the worst in baseball. 
Um, the pit, but I mean, the pitchers have been great. That's the unfortunate thing, man. The pitchers have been great. Like I said, we had the best pitching staff in May, and we still went 10 and 16 because we weren't able to give any run support. Or when we did give run support, unfortunately, the the pitching staff had a bad outing. So, um, yeah, man, I don't, I don't really know who, um, I don't really know who's to blame. Everyone's looking for someone to blame. Yeah, Matt's absolutely right. No one cares to see Yankees versus Dodgers World Series. Um, I absolutely don't. So, uh, yeah, man, I mean, everyone's er, everyone's looking for someone to blame. Everyone's trying to blame AJ Preller. Everyone's trying to blame Bob Melvin and some of the players. I mean, it, I think it's a collective effort right now. Obviously, AJ Preller's roster construction's horrible as far as we see so far this year. Bob, I'm, I'm not going to blame Bob Melvin. I, I really like Bob Melvin. I don't think he's done anything wrong. He's shown that he can manage good teams. This is, I mean, he we went to the LCS last year, so I think we're fine in terms of Bob, as far as his manager goes. But, um, yeah, man, I think it, outside of AJ Pella, the guys to blame are, are the guys that are supposed to be performing but not performing. So, um, I mean, that's all I got really. With that being said, you know, hopefully the Padres are able to turn around starting now. Um, hopefully we can just ride. The, we just need guys to get hot. You know, Fernando's been good. Soto's been good. And we need like two or three other guys to kind of just turn it on in certain series. It doesn't have to be all collective, but you know, we just got to start. We, we got to stop losing all these series. I think at one point we had lost every series outside of that national series. Um, so we got to start winning some series, man, especially against teams that we are supposed to be beating. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, see this Yankees Dodgers stuff. I mean, the MLB would like that too, money-wise. Yeah, but, they would love that. But, dude, ever, I hate baseball fans are not – like, they're like, bro, we just don't we, want it. We're tired of it. Yeah, it's like, dude, we're tired of that. I mean, no yeah. one – yeah, I don't care to see and, that. And also, something that's interesting, I was, I was talking to one of my buddies that's an Angels fan. We're talking about, like, the Padres being in contention and stuff. The Angels, I want to say, are two games over 500. I'm looking at it right now. I think they're two games. Maybe not. They're one game. They're 31 and 30, right? They have Shohei Otani, Mike Trout. They got all the star power, right? Some of these guys have been pretty good for them. Brandre's been all right. Hunter Renfro's been all right numbers-wise. I think they're both struggling lately, but like they are playing five games above what the Padres are right now. Yet, for them, it feels almost hopeless to make the playoffs. Like it, And it's crazy because they have a better record. Go look at how much better the AL is than the NL. Yeah. Because the NL sucks. The Cardinals, I think, are the, the worst team right now in the NL. They're the worst team. I mean, that's kind of crazy. But, like, it's so up and down. But, like, it's not a strong conference. The The NL is so, like, open. That's what's crazy. And the AL, you have to be really, really good to even make the playoffs. Where the Padres could legit make the playoffs this year winning 84, 85 games. That's how bad the NL is. Yeah. Like, you, like the, the last team might win, make it like that. And we might see the AL have only 90 win teams in the wild card. It's insane, dude. And maybe that's because of more interleague play and there's just more talent there, but that's something to really look at because, and to, to make it, you know, kind of, if you want to be negative with it, if the Padres do miss the playoffs, that is even more embarrassing. Because they're not playing in the stack conference. So there's a lot of pressure to make the playoffs. Like there, I mean, of course there is, but like I feel like that makes it even more, like more intense. It's like you have to, man. You have to. Um, final thing, just looking at this Mariners lineup. If we're gonna talk about our struggles, the Mariners lineup has been the same. Like 
clinic, he has what? He's a, he's their best hitter right now. He has an 828 OPS. Julio Damn, Rodriguez. Really? He's been pretty good. Yeah, he's been pretty good. But Julio Rodriguez is under a 730 OPS. Uh, Ty France is at a 750. And then everyone outside of them sucks. So it's similar similar deal to what's going on in San Diego right now as well. So you got to take advantage of that. You got to win this series. You got to win two in a row. You got to get the winning streak going. Like we keep saying that, but it's like, dude, it's it's time to get going with that. And, you know, maybe it's like that. Maybe in three weeks we look up and, oh, the Padres are sitting in the wild card spot now because, you know, they're only four games back and you have to just win a couple extra games. And the teams like the Pirates and the Marlins are probably not even going to stay 500 for the rest of the year. So you got to start winning games. You got to do that. I, I still think that the Padres and the Phillies, because the Phillies have been in the same spot um, pretty much as the Padres and like Trey Turner's like struggled a lot there, stuff like that. They're probably going to make the wild card spots. Like it's it, most likely it's going to be the Diamondbacks, Padres, and Phillies in those wild card spots. That's what I'm expecting. But all right, guys, and it's going to do it. Isaac, anything else you got? No. That's all right, it. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, get the a little bit of a winning streak going. Winning two in a row is almost a fantasy at this point. So I'd like oh, to yeah. I'd like to see it come true. All right, guys, see y'all. Have a great day.